Welcome to Living the Good Life Podcast, where we bring you messages, thoughts, and advice for living the good life. Today's message is brought to us by Brother Larry Dishman. We ask you to turn with us, if you would, over to the book of Jeremiah and the eighth chapter. Jeremiah chapter 8. I'm going to read verse number 20. The harvest is past. The summer is ended, and we are not saved. I'd like to speak to you for a little while on this subject. The harvest is past. The summer is ended, and we are not saved. The return of Jesus Christ, the day of judgment, is coming soon. And we're going to have to face the reckoning day before God. I'd like for us to consider for a little while, perhaps, the best to begin by saying something about Jeremiah and his times and about the subject of this matter. Then I'd like for us to look at the verse itself. I'd like for us, first of all, to consider Jeremiah and the relevance of his warning ministry. Jeremiah is a major prophet in the Old Testament. He lived in the 7th and 6th century B.C. He was a priest by birth while still young. However, God called him to be a prophet, and he left for Jerusalem, where he was a great help to King Josiah's Reformation. Josiah's death was a great disappointment to the godly people of that day. And Jeremiah wrote a lament in response. The kings of Judah who succeeded Josiah were all evil. Not all supposed prophets said what Jeremiah said. Jeremiah lived to see Nebuchadnezzar's invasion in B.C. 589. And although the invasion was interrupted, Jeremiah warned that the Babylonians would return. And for this, he was in prison. He was still there when the city was taken the following year. The Babylonians released him and showed him kindness, letting him live where he wished. And he was later taken to Egypt against his will by the governor of Judea. There's no record of his death. He probably died at a good old age. Jeremiah, here was an amazing person. He suffered greatly with the Jews because of their sin. Even though he was doing what God wanted him to do, he tirelessly told them God's word, even though they continually rejected what Jeremiah had to say. He was put into prison. He was cast into the Mari dungeon, and some people even wanted to kill him. Yet he faithfully, year after year, warned the people of coming judgment. He refused to stop preaching, even when he seemed to be the only person in Jerusalem that was still standing for the truth. And I wonder sometimes how willing we are to stand for the truth, even when it's unpopular. How easy it is for people to make exceptions to our beliefs or compromise 
God's truth, to make it easier on our own life or the lives of others. I believe we need to stand firm on Bible truths, never change our biblical position, no matter how unpopular it becomes. And may God give us strength. May God give each one of us as the people of God courage never to compromise or back up on the word of God. You know, even in that that calls themselves the church of God today, there's a lot of subjects in the word of God that's not popular. You know, it's not popular in lots of places to preach on hell. It's not popular to preach on the coming judgment. It's not popular to preach on the wrath of God. We're encouraged in many circles today just to preach on positive matters, preach about the love of God and the kindness of God. And certainly those things need to be preached on. But the Bible says, behold the goodness and the severity of God. Jeremiah is a prophet with great revelance to our day as he was faithful, uncompromising. Amen. Even though wickedness was on every side, he would not back up. He would not let down. We also live in a day when things are bad. Generally speaking, things are getting worse and worse. And as in Jeremiah's day, friend, there's plenty of false prophets who will tell us that things are not really that bad, that God is getting ready to bless us. And we fervently hope that he will bless us. But my friend, I believe things is going to get worse and worse unless we have a revival. Unless God sends a great awakening, things will continue to get worse and worse. And so uh, Jeremiah gives some warnings here in the eighth chapter. And I'd like for us to hurriedly look at this. We don't have time to read all these warnings. And so uh, since we don't have time, I'm just going to kind of uh, paraphrase it. You know, the section really begins in the seventh chapter and verse number 34, where Jeremiah speaks about the people's idolatry and their coming disaster. Jeremiah wants to show them that these judgments is gonna be terrible, but he also lets them know you have it coming. It's gonna be a fair judgment because of your sin, because of your rebellion. And he begins by describing the bones of the kings and officials of Judah, the priests and the prophets, and all the people of Jerusalem being removed from their graves. As for the survivors, uh, wherever I banish them, says God, they will prefer death to life. Amen. That's how bad it's going to be. And he speaks of the people's sinfulness and their unwillingness to repent and the reason for their judgment. They cling to deceit, he said. They refuse to return. No one reports of his wickedness saying, what have I done? Each pursues his own course, just like a horse charging to battle. 
They're willful and senseless in their sin. Like our own generation, those living in Jerusalem, amen, those living in Jeremiah's day, thought themselves to be wise, but he let them know you've rejected God's word. And certainly as the false prophets in our day dressed the wounds of my people as though they were not serious, saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. Because of such shameless sin, says the Lord, judgment is getting ready to come. He describes the judgment that's going to take place. Away their harvest, he says, there will be no grapes, no figs. What I've given them, God says, will be taken from them. The God who gives can also take away. They've sinned against God. So he lets them know, without a shadow of a doubt, judgment is going to come. They will say, we hope for peace, but no good has come. For a time of healing, but there was only terror. Very graphically, Jeremiah lets them know that God is going to send venomous snakes among them, vipers that cannot be charmed. And he said, they'll bite you. Imagine that poisonous snakes is everywhere. Jeremiah himself is often called the weeping prophet. And friend, he is clearly very moved by the prophecy. In the closing chapters, amen, in verses 18 through 22, he turns to God and he says, oh, my comforter, sorrow, my heart is faint within me. He begins to imagine his people in exile in a far country, devastated, lamenting over their loss, asking questions, but God asks questions too. Why? had they provoked me to anger with their images, with their worthless foreign idols. Yes, the exiles is most just. Jeremiah says, God's name since my people are crushed. I am crushed, I mourn, and horror grips me. Finally he asked, almost in despair, is there no bomb in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is there no healing of my wound? Now let's look at this verse. The harvest is past. The summer is ended and we are not saved. Now a lot of folks look at that and say that's all mixed up. It should have said the summer's ended. The harvest is past and we're not saved. But in that day and time, where Jeremiah was, they had the spring harvest. They had the summer harvest. In spring, barley and wheat and other cereal, cereals was harvest. Then later came the harvest of grapes and figs and olives. Amen. I want to ask you a question. Some here this morning are getting up in years. Your conscience, much time has passed. And you might look over your life and say, I've not been able to accomplish very much. 
Some of you are older in age. You've been alive for many years. You've done many things. But when you look back over your life, you may feel that time has escaped. You've accomplished very little. Seemed like the years just went by, just a flash. The older we get, the greater the danger of such feelings. I wonder if you're at the point where summer has ended and the harvest is past. Maybe you're still not saved and you realize time is running out for me. Your winter has come. Friend, the time to act is now. Look to Jesus Christ. Find strength in him today. Don't try to wait a few more years. Don't try to wait for a convenient season. Then in this audience, this morning there's middle-aged people. Some of you perhaps are not so old, but when you think about it, there's been many missed opportunities. Many of you, would you be honest with me, this morning you'd have to say, I've missed a lot of opportunities to get right with God. Think, just for a moment, how many sermons have you heard? How many times have you went to church and heard the preaching of the Word of God? How many invitations have you sat through and the Holy Spirit of God was faithful to deal with your heart and still you wouldn't move? Others have moved. There's been time after time the waters were troubled. You could have so easily stepped out given your heart and life to the Lord. You've had good conversations with people. People have talked to you about your soul. You too can see the summer is about ending. The harvest is past. I wonder for you in your middle age, how many more opportunities will there be? Now is the time for you to act. You too must look to Jesus. Repent of your sins. Turn from your sins. Place faith in the Son of God. Some of you are young people, and you too have had sermons. You've heard sermons. You've had the Holy Spirit to speak to you. And now summer's just about ended. The harvest is past. How many more opportunities will be afforded you? Winter is coming. The time to act is now. Friend, you need to look to Jesus Christ. In spite of all that God has done, some of you here this morning, just like in Jeremiah's day, are still not saved. Amen. The harvest is past. The summer is ended. And we are still not saved. Those few words in Jeremiah, the eighth chapter, verse number 20, have stuck out in my mind for many years. Even before I was converted, before I got saved, those words used to ring in my ear. I've thought often about it before conversion and after conversion. The harvest is past. The summer is ended and we're still not saved. 
If you're saved, thank God. Rejoice and pray for others to be saved. Listen to them crying out. The harvest is past. The summer is ended and we are not saved. If you're saved, friend, if you're one who have answered the call, oh, how you need to be thankful that you didn't let the God of this world blind your eyes to the good things of God. Friend, I know that God has often worked very slowly. Harvests pass, summers go, and still people are without Jesus Christ. However, we must not make this excuse. You have a duty to act. You have an obligation to repent because the Bible says that all men everywhere is to repent. Come to the Lord and be saved, be delivered. A man in a community that was 82 years old when he died. He was not saved and at his funeral, there was a neighbor that could remember him when he was young, under strong Holy Spirit conviction that during the invitation he would weep and he would tremble and hold the seat before him during the invitation hymn. But this neighbor said, after many years, he noticed the gospel preaching didn't bother him anymore. His heart had become hardened. That's the fear I have for so many people, that the harvest of God's dealings. The Bible says in Genesis 6 and verse number 3, my spirit will not always strive with man. And if God said that about a people back then, couldn't be so today that God's blessed Holy Spirit would cease to strive with you. And I tell you on the authority of God's word, dear friend, that if the Holy Spirit of God ever ceases to strive with you, you'll truly be able to say, the harvest for me is past. The harvest for me has come to an end and I am not saved. I believe that this will be a lament down in hell. Every soul in hell could join in and say, the harvest for all of us here has passed. The harvest for every one of us has come to an end. And we're all here and none of us are saved. And we won't be saved tomorrow. And we won't be saved next year. And we won't be saved a million years from now because the harvest is past. The summer is ended. Yes, Judas Iscariot could tell us this morning, the harvest is past for me. I'm now arrived at my long home. The summer is ended. And even though I kissed the door to heaven, I'm not saved. I'm lost forever. The rich man in Luke chapter 12 and Luke chapter 16 could both say to us, our harvest is past. The summer is ended. 
and we're not saved. We're still not saved. I think that's why the Apostle Paul reasoned with Agrippa. The Apostle Paul reasoned with Felix because the Apostle Paul knew the harvest is going to be past one of these days. Agrippa, Felix, the summer will end. Once the harvest is passed and the summer is ended, I know, Agrippa, you're almost persuaded. I know, Felix, I know what you're thinking. When you have a convenient season, I'll call for you. Paul knew that judgment was coming. That's why he pled with them. That's why he begged them to turn to Jesus Christ. And I believe that's why the Apostle Paul said, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. The Apostle Paul knew of coming judgment. And he did his best to go out and persuade men. And that's why the songwriter said, grace is offered you, dear sinner, in this gospel day of time. Grace to save and keep from evil and to make your life sublime. If you live and die a sinner and reject God's offered grace, you will cry for rocks and mountains, thus to hide you from his face. While in life is time accepted to prepare to meet thy God, be assured that he is faithful to fulfill his holy word. Will this be your lamentation? I'm asking you this morning, individually. Will this be your lamentation through neglect? I'm lost at last, for the summer now is ended, and the harvest time is past. The songwriter said, soon the summer will be ended, and the harvest will be o'er. Soon the day of offered mercy will be past forevermore. It's a solemn truth that sinners tempt God's forbearance mostly dangerously when they resist the Holy Spirit. Think how long some of you have resisted the Holy Spirit. Some of you that's here this morning, you know fair and well if God never speaks to your heart again, you know fair and well if you never have another opportunity to get saved, you don't have an argument because you've had so, so many opportunities. The claims of God have been presented and pressed upon you time and time again, but you've often put them away and in your heart, though you haven't spoken these words audibly, you've said, depart from me. I don't desire the knowledge of your ways at this time. And now you have almost come to the place where the harvest is completely passed. The summer is ended. You are still not saved. 
One becomes insensible to the Word of God when they harden their heart. It becomes easier to reject the Lord. What a fearful state to be in when it gets easier to say no, when there's less conviction than there used to be. Friend, if you have been rejecting the call, you are walking on dangerous ground with God. We love you. We care about you. God knows my heart this morning. That's why I'm here. I'm burdened for your soul. Heed the Spirit's call. Don't put salvation off one more moment. I'm praying for you. Thank you for listening. If you found this message helpful, please share this episode with your friends on Facebook, Messenger, or your favorite social media. If you have questions or suggestions, please message us on Facebook by searching Living the Good Life Show. A big thank you to Sister Rachel Fowler for all of her editing expertise. Until next time, keep living the good life.